Welcome to this sixth week of our continuing Bible study in the letter to the Romans. As with most of the Apostle Paul's letters, the prevalent themes of his letters are the following. Number one, sharing what the good news of God in Jesus Christ is. God's love exhibited to us in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Number two, because of God's love in Jesus Christ, because we are reconciled, because we are given new life in him, because Christ's followers confess him as Lord, there is a certain way in how we are called to live, in how we comport ourselves, in how we live out what it means to be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to live and serve in the world. And number three, the role of Jews and Gentiles in the one covenant of God, how both Jews and Gentile Christians belong to the one living God, the God of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Rebekah, the God of the patriarchs and matriarchs and, and prophets of the faith. We will see here in, the, in this sixth lesson from Romans 4:23 through chapter 5, verse 21, the faithfulness of God in Christ through the Spirit is reckoned to us as God's free gift, as grace. Free gift is grace. That the act of grace justifies us or makes us right. And God acts in that way so that we are not enemies, but friends. We are reconciled with God and with one another. We'll see God's work of reconciliation rectifies or corrects the power and penalty of sin from the first Adam through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the only one who is both God and man in one person. This is a new reality, a new world, a new covenant ushered in by Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you reveal yourself to us in Jesus Christ, to which the Holy Scriptures attest to his truth, to his reality. We rely upon your Holy Spirit to lead us and teach us with wisdom. Bless our community at the Village Church and in every worshiping community, that you would deepen and broaden our faith and trust in you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. For it is in Christ's name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Let's hear and read together from Romans 4.23 through chapter 5, verse 21. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reconciled He'll be reckoned to us, that is, who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to, his, to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we 
have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all, because all have sinned. Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift and the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If, because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied, but where sin is, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that just as sin exercised dominion in death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of the Lord. And we all say, thanks be to God. Now, Let's state at the outset, and it's there at the bottom of your, of your outline, some quick definitions as we proceed, because there's going to be a lot of terms that uh, the Apostle Paul has repeated and will be repeating. Justification as a review. The word justification is to be made right with God, right? So to justify the verb is to make right. Righteousness is God's committed, God's commitment, God's promise to make this right to make our, to make things right between God and humanity. Okay, so, um, so to say that God is exercising his righteousness, that God is righteous, God is committed to his own promise that he will make things right, that he'll right the wrong. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is to reconnect a broken relationship. Reckon, the word reckon, to account, to account onto, to, to ascribe. Glory, remember glory means the character or the reputation of God. To glorify then is to exhibit, to exhibit or to show the character and reputation of God. Now, let's look at these, uh, these texts today in uh, first, the first set, um, Romans chapter four, verse 23 through chapter five, verse five, uh, writing the wrong. We could see here in these verses, uh, in this first section, how the Apostle Paul is connecting the faith of Abraham as God reckoned, remember, as God accounted faith to Abraham, 
that that reckoning is also applied to us, uh, to all of God's people, um, that just as Abraham was trusting in God, believing in God, believing in God's promises, looking forward, we likewise are reckoned faith. God reckoned or ascribed faith to Abraham. And so it is with us that we believe in God who raised his son Jesus Christ from the dead. Now notice this is a, a passive verb. God is the one who reckons. We don't reckon ourselves. Uh, God reckoned faith to us. God counted um, faith toward us. God gives us, in fact, the gift of faith so that with that gift, we are then empowered by the Holy Spirit to believe, uh, to believe and to trust in God's promises, in the saving, in the saving reality of God's gift. Now, gift, of course, is grace. The word grace means gift. And so God gives us faith, reckons faith, accounts faith toward us so that we may believe and trust in his promises uh, and his love in Christ and his free gift of grace uh, in Christ. And so we are accounted that gift. And notice in verses 24 through 25, this is a key verse. Verses 24 through 25 functions like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. It's a wonderful summary of the gospel. When you're asked, what is the gospel? Or what is the good news of God? Chapter 4, verse 24 through 25 summarize it, summarizes it beautifully, just as 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4 does. And that is, the good news is that Jesus Christ is the one who lived. Jesus Christ is the one who died. Jesus Christ is the one who was raised from the dead. And that's what uh, those verses say. Now notice there in verse 25, uh, the first part of verse 25, that the role of Christ's death, remember, Christ's life, death, and resurrection is one package. But here the Apostle Paul is, is, uh, is, um, is uh, encouraging us and inviting us to look at each part, right? So the role of Christ's death was for our trespasses. Christ dying, uh, Christ being given over to death was for our trespasses, for our sins, that his death was the re was the result of humanity's sins. Uh, the tendency for humanity to um, do its own thing, to setting aside God, to setting aside God's love, to setting aside the mission, vision, and values of God in Jesus Christ. And we see in full display what humanity is capable of doing, um, to putting God's Son, God's only Son, only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, before judgment, before Pontius Pilate, and then to the cross. Um, and he was sent to the cross. His death was for our trespasses, placing those sins and the power of sin upon himself. And then the second part of verse 25 of chapter 4, the role of Christ's resurrection. And it says there, quote, for our justification. Now remember justification, the condition of being made right with God. That Christ resurrection was for the purposes of making us right with God, that his being raised, Jesus Christ being raised at his resurrection, being raised from the grave is to right that wrong, to correct the power of sin. Because by rising, Christ shows that he alone rules and reigns over death and its penalty, over death and sin's penalty. Now, Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 through 57, and uh, this might be a, a familiar verse to you. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 
Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there we have it when we cross-reference it with 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. That chapter 4, verse 25b, that the role of Christ's resurrection was for our justification. That by being raised from the grave, being raised from the dead, Christ exhibits his victory over the over death itself and over the penalty and power of sin. That sin's power cannot, cannot uh, conquer God's love in Jesus Christ. This is what the uh, great uh, Swiss Reformed theologian Karl Barth called uh, God's no and God's yes. God's no to sin and God's yes uh, for his love and his reconciling promise to us in Jesus Christ. God says no, God cancels out the power of sin, and God says yes, yes to us, yes that he loves us, yes that he'll reconcile us, yes that he is for us, yes that he will do whatever it takes in Jesus Christ to free us from the power and penalty of sin. We now then go to chapter 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. And here we see here that we are made right with God by trusting, by trusting, by having faith in Christ. And as a result, we have peace with God, having peace with God. And therefore, we belong to, to the God of peace, right? God gives us peace, the peace of God, because he is the God of peace. And we have that because through Jesus Christ, we share with Christ in his glory, because Christ is the very image of the Heavenly Father, the very image of God. When we share and are united to Jesus Christ, we share in the glory of God. We share in the glory of Christ. Because Christ exhibits the character of God, for he himself is God, and exhibits the character and reputation of his Heavenly Father. So in our being united to God, through Christ in the Spirit, we also share in Christ's sufferings. And so when the Apostle Paul talks about that in our, in our sufferings, we endure, we have endurance and hope and all the rest, it is not all those things in isolation, but it is because we are in solidarity with Christ and Christ is in solidarity with us. We are united to Jesus Christ through, the, through his Spirit. And so Jesus Christ shares in our sufferings. Jesus Christ endures with us. Jesus Christ gives us hope in him so that while we experience various, quote, sufferings, tribulations, trials as followers of Jesus, as we endure, as we have hope, these are ones in which we share with Christ and Christ shares with us through the Spirit. We are and he is in solidarity with us. We now look at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, where it speaks here so powerfully and personally that we are always precious. God's people have always been precious in his sight. And therefore, because he's righteous, because he's committed to his promise to make things right, that he reconciles us. He, he enables the work of reconciliation through his son, Jesus Christ. Notice there in chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it describes us that we are weak. We are powerless. We are powerless to save ourselves. We cannot reconcile ourselves. We, are, we don't have the wills. We don't have the ways to do it apart from God's help, apart from God helping and enabling us. And who would give themselves for the whole human lot? 
Uh, maybe it might be one thing for us to give of ourselves to maybe our family, our children, our, um, our spouses, maybe our best friends. But can you imagine giving your whole life for the entire human race, for the entire humanity that, um, you know, that uh, 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 no one is righteous, no, not one, and, and, and uh, so much ungodliness and, and unrighteousness and so on and so forth. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as we saw in Romans chapter 3. But here's the key, chapter 5, verse 8. But God proves his love. But God proves his love. God cares for the whole of humanity because there's no one, there's no one who has been ever created from the beginning of time and who will ever be born, who will put their lives on the line, in fact, who are unable to, even if, even if we could, who are unable or unwilling to, but Verse 8 says in chapter 5, but God proves his love. Only God can do it. And how does he do it? Chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, the following verses. Christ himself, by his blood, by his life, takes care of the power, takes care of the penalty of sin, and we are reconciled to God. We are restored to knowing who God is, who is our creator, who he is, who is our maker. And we discover who he is because he reconciles us. We're no longer his enemies, but we are his friends. We are his beloved children. We have always been precious in his sight. And so we discover he's not only our creator, he's not only our maker, he's our loving and gracious God in his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Let's look at the next section. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. And this is where we see the relationship between the first Adam, Genesis chapter uh, 1, 2, and 3, and the second Adam, the new life, the new reality, the new world that is ushered in by the person of Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Sin has been present with humanity since the first humans were created, right? We all know that. The law points us to what is sin. Here I invite you to look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, where the law is described as, quote, our schoolmaster, our schoolmaster, that the appearance of the law, when the law came on the um, human stage, uh, that the law showed us and taught us what sin is. But even in the absence of the law, in, in the absence of the Ten Commandments, in the absence of the ordinances and testimonies and statutes of God uh, that were given uh, to Adam, in fact, of course, to Abraham, to Moses, God was issuing laws all the time. It wasn't uh, formalized until, of course, the Ten Commandments. But even without the law, this text says, sin was already present. But with the appearance of the law, with the issuing of the law, uh, sin increased because humanity then was given knowledge as to what is right and what is wrong. Notice here it says that Adam is a, quote, type, a type of the, quote, one to come, namely Jesus Christ, right? Adam is a type and Jesus Christ is the archetype, the first type, if you will, for Jesus Christ will be a different kind of man. He is humanity, of course, born of flesh and blood, but he is also the unique and distinct human being because he is also God. So look at verses 15 through 17 of chapter 5. Here, uh, the Apostle Paul, remember, uh, the Apostle Paul is schooled in the ancient classics, and he writes Romans um, using the Socratic method, so he knows rhetoric, he knows logic. And one of the various systems of logic uses the construction, how much more? 
How much more this than that? To demonstrate the disproportionate reality of one side when compared to the other. Okay? In this case, he's using that same construction. How much more? On the one side, how much more Adam and the result of what Adam did, how much more will God take care of it? And so here it is in your outline. I invite you to look at it. How much more? So on the one hand, the one man, Adam, and all the human beings who came after Adam, Adam, Eve, um, Cain and Abel, Seth, all the rest, including us, that through this one man, Adam, brought about sin, which, re which resulted in sin for all of us, right? We all, uh, we all do the same thing that Adam does, and we experience the pervasive power and presence of sin over our lives and of this world. This, uh, the Apostle Paul calls it dominion or, uh, or it reigns. The uh, sin reigns over us. And as a result, death and the wrath of God are our penalty. Okay, so that's the construction on the one side. And then how much more than the second man, Jesus Christ? How much more than that God will take care of the wrath of God? How much more than God will take care of death? How much more than will God take care of the power and penalty of sin? And here he talks about the many and the all. That, and those are interchangeable terms, that God will take care of it for all, for his love is for all, and that he reconciles us to God and to one another. Chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. Adam's disobedience, his transgression, his sin resulted in condemnation and death. Jesus Christ, on the other hand, his act of righteousness, his act of obedience, resulted in us being made right with God. And so even as the knowledge of sin increased because of the presence of the law, graces, God's grace in Jesus Christ increased even more to rectify and to counteract the sin that increased because of the presence of the law. So that while sin had dominion, it had a rule and reign over us in death, God's grace now has dominion, rule, and reign through righteousness. Or actually, yes, through righteousness. Uh, that grace rules over us because God has righted the wrong. God now gives us and leads us to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's the promise that we have. That's the reality that we have. Now I put here in your notes a summary of one of our confessions of faith, the uh, the Westminster Larger Catechism from the 17th century that gives a little bit more clarity. I invite you to uh, to download. You could download the uh, book one of the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church USA, the Book of Confessions. There's uh, 13 confessions of faith, including the Nicene Creed and Apostles' Creed in here. And in there is the Westminster Larger Catechism. And if you look there, you actually could download this for free, uh, bookoforder.info bookoforder.info. There's various resources there. One of them is the Book of Confessions. If you go to the Westminster Larger Catechism, it's a question and answer uh, uh, format. And if you go to question answer 38, 39, and 40, those three questions and answer ask the pointed question, why does the mediator, why is the one who has been uh, named and appointed to be the one who will connect humanity and God together. Why does the mediator have to be human? Number one, why does the medi mediator have to be God? Number two, and why does the mediator in one person have to be both God and man? Number three, 
And in summary, I put it there in your, in your, uh, in your summary, that only Jesus Christ could be the mediator and that the fact that he is both God and human enables him to not sin, to be sinless, and to carry out the righteous, justifying work of reconciliation that God promised perfectly and fully and universally. And for that we say, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, we thank you for your righteous promise in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. We thank you for righting the wrong of the power and the penalty and the presence of sin in our lives. Help us, O Lord, to follow your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. Lead us into all truth. Guide us with your wisdom and crown us with your love. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.